Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman Sr., editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. I thank you on this Wednesday hump day. You know what's coming up in the second half of the show. Once you hear that it's Wednesday, it is mailbag time. My rider type delivered the amount of questions I thought I would get, but still we had some really good ones. We're going to get to that. We're going to dive headfirst into that in the second half of the show before we get to that, I always do this. Want to reiterate it. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's the latest breaking news, whether it's film room, NFL draft breakdowns, you name it, we have it right there in one place. Make sure you check it out early and often. It's updated multiple times a day. Wherever you get your podcast, remember, Behind the Steel Curtain is where you should find our network. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, Stitcher, Pandora. I'm sure there's platforms out there I don't even know exist. Search those two terms, Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You'll find us. Subscribe and follow so that you don't just get my Let's Ride. You get your Stat Geek with Dave Schofield on Thursday. Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict on Tuesday was phenomenal. Really thought it was interesting stuff about Deontay Johnson. And maybe how the offense wasn't a Ben Roethlisberger problem. Maybe it wasn't a maybe it was a Deontay Johnson problem. Really good, interesting stuff. Go and check that out as well as all of our noon lineup and RPM lineup as well. So check that all out wherever you get your podcast. So I want to start this show off with some news. Before we get to the news, I want to say that it's just great to be here. You know, I I gotta be honest. I do a lot of work. I work a lot of jobs, and this is the one time, not the one time, three times a week, that I can honestly say I just enjoy this. I enjoy doing this show. I hope you enjoy listening to this show. I feel like we're our Ride or Die crew is growing by the day, and that's a big thanks to you out there that's listening and spreads the word. Uh, and whether you just listen to my show or all of our shows, I want to thank you for for joining me because this is a lot of fun. In this show, I'm going to kind of go after some fan narratives. Not fans in particular, but fan narratives. So I don't want you to freak out if you're someone that falls into these categories, but let's get to the news first. First and foremost, Mitch Trubisky's contract has been filed. What does that mean, Jeff? It's been filed. It means that all the details are made public. And so here's what we know about Mitch Trubisky's contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The base value is $14.285 million over two years. There's an $8.5 total in incentives and a $5.25 million signing bonus. This is per Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback. Okay, 8.5 in incentives. That's a lot of money. Well, what are those incentives? Well, he continues. There's a $4 million incentive each year in playtime incentives. What that means is that essentially the Steelers have said, you know, if you start this many games, maybe play this many snaps, depends on how they break it down in the contract, but there's $4 million. Now, according to Breer, he says these will be pretty achievable if Trubisky starts and stays healthy all the way through his contract. Still, only $4 million. That's not too bad. Next, there's a 250000 Pro Bowl incentive each year. And he labels it this way. This is Albert Pierre, not me, and I, but I'd agree with him. He says it's pretty fair all the way around. It's pretty fair all the way around, and I would agree 
100% with that sentiment. So there's some news there. Uh, it's some interesting stuff. I mean, when you think back to how the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky came to terms so quickly, uh, it really was fascinating that the deal was this fair for both sides, especially that fair for the Steelers, and we signed so early in that legal tampering period. Normally, those are when the big contracts are handed out. Okay, the other news, uh, Dave Schofield, our our registered, uh, we'll call him the salary cap guru. He's a guru of a bunch of different things. Well, we found out that Carl Joseph's contract has been reported. Now, there's still no report on the Gennard Avery deal, but still, as of now, Carl Joseph's reported $895,000 contract is not in the top 51. Therefore, it does not count towards the salary cap space equation. So Dave Schofield, the approximate amount the Steelers still have left, $13.45 million. Approximately $13.45 million. But again, that can change when the Avery contract is reported or if they go out and make another move. So keep that in mind. Last bit of news that a lot of Steeler fans are probably curious about would be none other than the Honey Badger. Tyron Matthew visited with the New Orleans Saints down in New Orleans. Uh, this was on Tuesday. I hope he signs with someone. Just If it's the Steelers, so be it. If it's the Saints, so be it. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about this guy, and I'm so sick and tired of hearing about the safety situation. I hope Terrell Edmonds signs somewhere, too. If it's with the Steelers, great. If not, whatever. Life's going to move on. Uh, you know, Michael Beck did an entire podcast on safeties. I'm really just sick and tired of hearing about safeties. So I'm on the train of Tyron Matthew. Please sign with someone soon so that we can stop talking about it. That's what I would love more than anything, but I doubt that's going to happen. Hey, maybe I'll get lucky, and by the time you listen to this show, he's already signed. That would be fantastic. I will be happy either way. And you might be out there listening thinking, oh, Jeff, how could you not want the honey badger? It's not that I don't want the honey badger. I get so sick and tired of people that waffle. And I say people, not athletes, people that waffle. I don't know. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do this. Make a decision. Like that. That's my That's my thing in life. Okay, you, you, ask, me a, you ask me a question, I'm going to give you a direct answer. And it's gonna, I'm going to make my decision. And if I made the wrong decision, I'll live with it. But I'm going to make a decision. That's what I... That's the way I live my life, and so that's why I want this Matthew thing to get flattened. Let's just put it to bed, finally. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Let's get to the crux of this podcast today in the first half of the show. So how much patience should Steeler fans have with Steelers draft picks? I'll say that again. How much patience should Steeler fans have with their team's draft picks. Now, this was a question that I posed on Twitter as a couple days ago, and it was just literally I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was like, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to see what people think. In your opinion, this is how I worded the tweet, in your opinion, how many years do you give a drafted Steelers player to prove their worth? So I'm going to read you some of the responses. I'm not going to say who said them. We had a lot of responses to this tweet. I'm just going to read out what they said. Three to four, definitely, especially if they're a mid-to-late-round pick. Two to three, depending on where they're picked. Depends on first round versus the rest. I'd say three to four, assuming that progress is being made. All four of their rookie deal years. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Someone else says three without any major injuries. Three if a first-rounder, four if later. Three max. Three. Two to five, depending on the pedigree. Three. Three years. That's the time time teams get to determine whether to extend rookies. Two, max. Three. 
Okay, so, and I could go on, and there was a lot more, but three, two to three, uh, four, all four years, at least three. Again, I could make, I could keep going with this stuff, but here's what I want to make very clear. The vast majority of these fans that responded, and there were more, like I said, I'm not going to read them all. The vast majority of these fans that responded to this tweet stated very clearly that they should they should be given at least two to three years, some saying four, for the entire rookie contract for them, the Steelers, to kind of know what they have. And so I found this very interesting. I found it a, a very, very interesting, and, and really where this came from, and I always try to do that on my shows, is the way my mind works. I want to figure out why I came with this thought. I had asked, it was listening to, I think it was Michael Beck, and he made a derogatory comment, and then derogatory is not bad, not, not, not the right word. Let me rephrase that. He made a negative comment about Buddy Johnson. Now, Buddy Johnson was a fourth-round pick in the 2021 NFL draft out of Texas A&M. Remember, they took Dan Moore Jr. and Buddy Johnson, teammates in college, right after the other. And so he basically said that he's not the answer. And that's what he said. I didn't say it. They said it. And I'm thinking, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, how can you say that? How can you say that he's not it when we don't even know? And the, the Speaking specifically to Buddy Johnson, he spent the first year of his rookie contract either inactive, just playing special teams, or injured. So there's a lot of people out there that are like a Michael Beck. And I'll say this to Michael on Friday. Like, this is not me talking behind his back, by the way. And if he listens to the podcast, he knows what I'm saying anyways. I just don't understand the sentiment. And I asked Michael about this on Friday. I said, hey, how many years do you give these rookies? And he goes, well, like, typically, you know, two to three. And I said, well, what about Buddy Johnson? And he goes, well, and he, starts, and he starts waffling. And <laughs> I just talked about that. He starts waffling. Well, you know, this is where I want people to gain a little bit of perspective, a little bit of perspective. It kind of reminds me, I have five kids. Y'all know this. If you listen to my show, I have five children. My oldest is 13, my only son. My youngest is three. So I have one boy and four girls. And they love their, you know, the animated movies. And they love the movie Ratatouille. And I'll never forget the end of the movie when um, the, the the critic that was so critical of the restaurant shows up and he they ask him what he wants. And he goes, I'm looking for some a perspective. I love that. I love that line. That guy's great. And uh, it's a great movie, by the way, in case you like kid movies. But so Ratatouille, perspective. That's what I wanted to give you all today is some perspective. This is a cautionary tale for the fan base out there with the NFL draft on the horizon. We can see it now. Yeah, here we are, April 6th. It's at the end of the month. We only got a couple weeks away. I mean, everyone is throwing out mock drafts like, you know, like Mike Lang used to say, they're handing out checks like it's the first of the month. That's the way mock drafts are right now. Everyone's doing just flying out there. It's cra- it's incredible. It's incredible, the mock draft season, and we are all gearing up. But keep these these cautionary tales in mind as we approach and we get to that NFL draft and the Pittsburgh Steelers make their selections. It's about giving these drafted players time to develop. So I I got some help on this. Uh, it was a Tuesday morning, kind of getting myself together, my thoughts together for the upcoming show, and I'm wondering how I want to approach this. And so I put it on our Slack channel for the staff and said, hey, I- I'm just thinking about players that were drafted that at one point were thought to be nothing but pure busts but actually turned out to be 
something. It doesn't have to be a superstar, but they turned out to be something. They had a role on the team. It's important to note here. Had some great responses. Jeffrey Benedict, Kevin Smith, Dave Schofield, Brian Anthony Davis. They all were chiming in. Shannon White even had threw in a couple names. So here's what I came up with. And these are players, and I'm going to tell you when they were drafted. And believe it or not, whether you want to believe it because maybe you weren't old enough to remember, there are some people on this list that I was not old enough to remember, but the narrative surrounding these players at the time in the early stages of their career were that they were busts, they were bums, and they should be sent out of town, as they would say in Pittsburgh. Okay, so first and foremost, the one thing that I came up with right away was Troy Polamalu. First-round draft pick, Steelers trade up in 2003 to get Troy Polamalu. He was labeled a bust. And if you think back to his Troy Polamalu's acceptance speech when he got into the Hall of Fame this past summer, he spoke about how he it was really difficult for him to hear people say how awful he was. Turned out to be a Hall of Fame player. You know, I mean, there were some people had their way. In 2003, Polamalu would have been sent packing. He didn't, thankfully. Another one would be Bud Dupree. Now, in, in Paul Amalu's case, in 2004, he kind of turned it on. Bud Dupree, it took him longer than that. I'd say the first three years of his career, people were calling him a bust. He was a wasted pick. Jarvis Jones 2.0. We all heard it. We all heard it. And then he finally started to turn it on year four. He had a good year as franchise tagged, and he turned it into a nice second contract, if you don't count the franchise tag as a contract, with the Tennessee Titans, but Bud Dupree developed. Maybe the poster boy for this discussion in this narrative is Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward was a first-round pick. He didn't do squat for several years until he started to develop. He really was a late bloomer in terms of his production, his development, and now he's considered one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. You could even talk about Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry was a fifth-round pick. Everyone said this guy is too skinny, former quarterback, can't do anything, was hurt in his second year, comes back last year. Now, all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden, this fifth-round pick has a role with the Steelers. Now you hear fans saying, oh, Gentry's our tight end, too. Well, were you saying that when he was hurt? Were you saying that his rookie year? He It took him time to figure things out. He got his body in shape in terms of what is necessary for him. Zach Gentry has a role on this team entering his fourth year. Keep that in mind. Heinz Ward, third-round draft pick. Third-round draft pick was a special teams guy early in his career, former college quarterback at Georgia, should be in the Hall of Fame, your daily reminder, but still turns himself into a Super Bowl MVP, wins two Super Bowls, a great player. Terry Bradshaw was the first overall draft pick, and he was actually benched a couple times by Chuck Knoll. Doesn't have the best stats. Was a great big game quarterback. Found his way into one of the greatest, in the conversation of one of the greatest of all times. He won four Super Bowls. He played big in the biggest moments. He's in the Hall of Fame. But there were a lot of people that if Terry Bradshaw were in the league today would say that there's no way he makes it as long as he did. No way. You even go more recent. Vince Williams was a six-round draft pick. I remember when he played as a rookie because Larry Foote tore his biceps tendon. And so he was thrust into the lineup and was not ready. He was not ready. And there's a lot of fans that probably would have said, oh, this guy can't do it. 
draft an inside linebacker next year because this guy cannot cut it. Turned out he carved himself a nice little role on that Steelers defense throughout his career. Same with William Gay. Same with Matt Spath. William Gay was a fifth-round pick out of Louisville. Matt Spath, third-round pick, I believe, out of Minnesota. I could be wrong. But still, they were players that it took them time to get their stuff together. Shoot, you even go to... Uh, this is, these are two players that Shannon White brought up. James Ferrier, first-round pick for the New York Jets. Tyson Alawalu, first-round pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't pan out for their respective teams. They go to Pittsburgh, and then all of a sudden later in their career, they really blossom. So it is possible, folks. Let's gain some perspective here. And this is for me, too. In some of these players, this is for me as much as it is you listening to this show. So Kendrick Green, the third-round draft pick. Everyone wants him gone. He stinks. Send him away. He's horrible. All this stuff. Maybe he just needs some time. Buddy Johnson, I mentioned him earlier. How about Big Press? Presley Harvin. I'm not even talking about the death of his father and his grandmother within the course of a month. I'm talking about the fact he's a seventh-round draft pick. How can I have these expectations for a player that's a seventh-round pick? Sure, I want him to do well. I want these players to show up and to show out right away. But he's a seventh-round draft pick. Even Chase Claypool, second-round draft pick. He needs some time. Deontay Johnson was a third-round draft pick going into the fourth year of his career. He's gotten better. Some would even say Terrell Edmonds could be put on this list. Jeremy Betts has had, threw his name in, that, in there. Devin Bush, first-round pick, coming off that major ACL tear. Benny Snell Jr., fourth-round pick. Everyone wants him gone. The Steelers need a running back, too, because Benny Snell stinks. Well, Benny Snell's never really had a good offensive line, and on top of that, maybe he just needs some time to figure it out. Same with Anthony McFarland. To bring this all the way back, perspective is really, really important when it comes to these young players. We don't want to be patient. We don't want to be told that they will be good in three years. I'll never forget when we got our dog. It's the dog that we still have. And we named him Kutch after Andrew McCutcheon because Andrew McCutcheon had just won the NL MVP the year that we got this dog. And he's a lab, purebred lab. And he was, as a puppy, was just a bottle of fire. I mean, he was just, like, he was so rambunctious. He was a fun puppy, but my goodness, this dog was all over the place. And we were walking the dog one day, and, you know, we were trying to train it to walk properly, all that stuff. And here comes someone walking a lab on the other side of the road, and he says, just wait in four years. He'll be the best dog ever. And I remember thinking, I don't want to wait four years. <laughs> I, want the, I want the best dog ever right now. That's the way we are as fans. Not only that, you think about like baseball and hockey. And this is what I hate about the baseball draft. It's, it's literally seems like 50 rounds long. They draft these high school kids like, don't worry. This catcher they just drafted, in 12 years, he's going to be dynamite in the major leagues. 12 years? And that's a, that's a little drastic, and that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But you get my drift. The NFL, we want it now. The NFL is kind of uh, it's kind of similar to modern-day society. We, we want this now. We don't want to wait. We want the satisfaction right now. And that's a problem. But we, as Steeler fans, myself, even as a Steeler fan with this platform, I'm, I'm here to tell you today this perspective is about patience. Now, there are a lot of players that didn't pan out. And that, that list is long. And that list is long for every team. But for some of these players, we just need to take a step back 
and say, you know what, it is possible for them to improve even after they've been drafted, even after a couple years after they've been drafted. Something to think about, folks. Something to think about. A little perspective, as I said in Ratatouille. All right, folks, when we come back in the second half, it's Wednesday, it's hump day. You know what that means. It's mailbag time. Be right back after this break. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is the second half of the Wednesday show. It's mailbag time. It did not get a lot of responses this time. We had about 11. That's not bad. I mean, shoot, there are some shows not on our network that might ask for questions, and they might get like two. So I'm very thankful for the 11. I just thought there'd be more. But, hey, maybe you don't want to hear from me, and that's fine. I get it. But we have a lot to get through, and we're going to get through every single one of them. Heath Davis asked three questions. So first he asked a funny one. Now, this is a this is one where... I have to be honest with you, so I'll read it first. Heath Heath asks, you have to recast the Avengers. Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Hawkeye, and Nick Fury with Steelers players in their prime and coaches, excluding the Black Widow. Who are your choices and why? Now, let me first say that I am not... And I used to love like the Batman movies. and so I, I do not watch these movies anymore. I've never seen the Avengers or the... The, the we all know about the Star Wars stuff. If you listen to the Steelers preview, I get ripped on because I've never seen a Star Wars movie. But that's just it's just not my cup of tea. So I, I'm gonna let's hear. I, I'm gonna have to pass on this question. I just don't know the characters, and I don't re, and I never read comic books as a kid. I, I collected baseball cards and football cards and hockey cards. That's what I did. So still, I'm gonna have to. I read your question. I thank you, Heath, for the question. I just can't answer it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Long story short, he has another. Is he getting? Uh, is here? Oh, here we go. What do you think is more likely? Number one, Edmonds gets a one-year prove-it deal from the Steelers, or two, the Steelers re-sign Joe Hayden to the final contract of his career. Ah, this is a tough question. Edmonds gets a one-year prove-it, or the Steelers re-sign Joe Hayden. I don't think Edmonds is going to sign a one-year deal with anyone. He's looking for a multiple-year deal. He is someone that, obviously, he and his agent have a value on them, on himself, and they might be taking that Tyron Matthew approach of we're going to wait till after the draft, and then we'll pick a team. He probably has offers. Might have an offer from the Steelers. We don't know. But still, I want to make it very clear that I, if I'm predicting this, I don't think Edmonds gets a one-year prove-it deal. I would say that if you said Edmonds gets a two-year deal with the Steelers, I would say one. But since you only gave me two options, I would say they re-sign Hayden just because of what I said. But I don't think Hayden's coming back, but that's just because of the options you gave me. The third question from Heath is, uh, he said, I trust Tomlin. Whoever the Steelers start at quarterback, he'll go with. His question is, he never saw a lot out of Joshua Dobbs, but in the preseason, he always looked decent. Why do you think he was never in consideration to be Big Ben's successor? I honestly think there was a couple years where Joshua Dobbs had every opportunity to be the quarterback too. Not early in his career like as a rookie, but there were several times where it was he and Mason Rudolph battling for QB2, and he just couldn't win the job. He has the smarts. He has the mobility. 
He just he doesn't have the art the accuracy that a lot of people really want to see in a quarterback. And maybe in Matt Canada's system it would be a little different, but he had that opportunity last year and he wasn't able to take advantage of it. I love Joshua Dobbs, but again, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Southside Doc said, asked, should Colbert get the criticism he does for drafting quarterbacks? How does pedigree and age affect how a quarterback should be evaluated during development? It's a good question, and I'm going to take people back to my conversation with Jim Wexel on Monday, and Wexel talked about how he gave Kevin Colbert a hard time, and Kevin Colbert said on his gravestone there it's going to read drafted T. Martin instead of Tom Brady. Well, the the one thing that I, I didn't say I didn't say is well, I kind of did say it in the in the interview was that when Kevin Colbert drafted Roethlisberger in 04, well, everyone else that you're drafting, you're not drafting the next quarterback. So when they drafted Brian St. Pierre, no one expected Brian St. Pierre to be the next guy. When they drafted Dennis Dixon, same. Landry Jones, same. I would have to say that it wasn't until Mason Rudolph was drafted in the third round that we all thought maybe this could be the next guy. It wasn't definitive. It wasn't, this is the next guy. It was, maybe this could be the next guy. So I don't fault Colbert so much as drafting quarterbacks go. Um, in terms of pedigree and age, affect how a quarterback should be evaluated, I think it does matter You know when they're drafted, how old they are, et cetera. That should matter. He also asked, side question, Augusta National, the old course, or Pine Valley, hashtag ride or die crew. For me, Southside Doc, it is always just one course, Augusta National. I don't have many things on my bucket list. I really don't. My bucket list is really short. And um, Augusta National, just going and seeing the Masters. I want to see a real live round. Like People say, I saw a practice round. I'm sure that's great, and I would take it. I want to see a round of golf there. I want to see, even if it's a Thursday, I want to go with my dad and my brother. We're all huge. It's a golf family. The Masters is getting ready to gear up this weekend. Super excited to be going back home to Wheeling. So I'll be there with my dad and my brother. It's going to be really exciting. I'm really excited for it. So, But for me, always, always, always Augusta National. A tradition unlike any other, as Jim Nance always says. All right, JG says, what do you think of Bisky Business getting the guys together down at his house in Florida? I say that's a leader. So this is true. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, this was broken by Aditi Kinkwawala of NFL Network earlier on Tuesday morning, I believe, that Mitchell Trubisky, he's getting the gang together, all the pass catchers, and even the other quarterbacks, um, and I think Najee Harris was thrown into the mix as well, are heading down to Florida uh, at Trubisky's house. They're going to work out together, start getting the putting the wheels in motion. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. He's a leader. That's what I want to see. JG also says, P.S., now we don't have a shot at Pickett. Hey, JG's a big Pickett guy. I've been trying to tell him for the last month or so that it's just rare. I don't think he's going to be there at 20. So unless the Steelers trade up, no, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the Steelers have a shot at Pickett. MDibs24 says, what player already signed do you think can make an unexpected contribution this year? My thoughts are Anthony Miller or possibly Carl Joseph. Okay, already signed. So are you? T- I guess I'm trying to figure out, are you talking about players that were recently signed in free agency, whether that's Chooks for would that also be Akella Witherspoon? I'm going to go with, I think Levi Wallace is going to be a guy. No one's talking about Levi Wallace. Let me make that very clear. Levi Wallace 
is kind of the forgotten player in free agency. Everyone loves to talk about Miles Jack. Everyone wants to talk about uh, James Daniels. Everyone wants to talk about Mason Cole. Uh, all these players. Mitchell Trubisky, we just talked about him. No one's saying anything about Levi Wallace. I'm going to take Levi Wallace because I think he's going to play a lot, and I think this guy has a, a chip on his shoulder that is real. Uh, MDibs also has another one. Would Who would be your pick for the best athlete ever in Pittsburgh history? Could be any sport. I have to go with, and this is someone that Brian Anthony Davis can tell you exactly where he was the moment he was drafted. I have to go with Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson was a very established track star. He was one of those freak athletes. I'm going to go with, the, I'm going to say that Rod Woodson was probably the best overall round, all-around athlete in Steelers history. But you know who might come in a, in a very close second is Ben Roethlisberger. The people don't realize Ben Roethlisberger was a three-sport star in high school. He chose football. He could have played basketball. He has the, the size and the height. Also a phenomenal baseball player. Ben's a great athlete as well. Good questions, though. Aiden Blaine says, in your opinion, who was the most improved player on the Steelers in 2021? Who do you think will be the most improved this upcoming season? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Great question. So when I used to coach, I used to give out the most improved player award. And uh, this was an award that I always that I always held very near and dear to me because I remember when I was in high school, I won this in, when I was playing baseball. And I, I took a ton of pride in the fact that I worked so hard that I got this most improved award. If I'm honestly going to give a most improved award from 2021, it goes to Zach Gentry. And I already talked about Zach Gentry in, in the first part of this show about how fans kind of cast him aside and then he turned himself into something. I mean, think about it. That, that's quite the transformation. So I'm going to say Zach Gentry in 2021. Who do I think will be the most improved this upcoming season? Give me another tight end, Pat Fryermuth. I think he's really going to blossom in this new offense with this quarterback. He's going to have that year under his belt. I think he's going to be really, really good. Really, really good. Okay, let's go to Haskins QB2. Hey, Jeff, do you think the Steelers will make the decision for Stefan to it? Meaning they'll cut him because he's not giving the Steelers an answer on if he's ready to come back. I don't want to, I don't want to sound mean, but the Steelers need to know if he's committed. Thanks and always. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you, Haskins QB2. I would understand this. And honestly, anymore, when we, when we, I'm talking about me or if someone asks a question in the mailbag, if we're referencing Stefan to it, it, it should be un, un, across the board known that we're, we're saying this as kindly as we can. This is business, and this is business. And the Steelers running a business, they have to be able to say, okay, we got to make a decision here, and it's going to impact our draft. I feel like they, they, they need to know. I don't think they're going to make it for him. I don't think they're going to cut him. Why? They want him back. He's a valuable piece of the puzzle. That's important to note. So – Keep that in mind, but I like the question. Katie Schultz says, who is your top choice for a solid RB2? This is not going to be a popular choice. I wanted Marlon Mack. I think Marlon Mack is signing with the Houston Texans. There are some running backs out there. Phillip Lindsay would be a good addition as well. I think he's still unsigned as a free agent if you're looking for a veteran. Not really looking for a rookie. You think about it. They still have Benny Snell on the roster. They still have Anthony McFarlane. Anthony McFarlane had that knee injury right before the start of the season. Actually looked okay. You know, Anthony McFarland did in the preseason before he got hurt. I wouldn't be shocked if that's your running back tandem, those three players. And then you throw Derek, uh, Derek Watt in there. Maybe Trey Edmonds makes the team. I'm just saying, I, I wanna, I'm trying to, 
keep people grounded here with this running back situation. I just don't think it's a priority for the Steelers, and I don't blame them. So I guess to answer your question, Katie, my top choice, if I'm being realistic, I think it's Benny Snell Jr. It's not who I necessarily want. I'd love for them to sign a Philip Lindsay, but in this case, that's probably what will happen. Cheeseball10 says, with the, with the dog days of the draft approaching, what is your advice to Steeler fans anxious for the draft? Now, this is a good question, Cheeseball. Thank you for asking. So anyone that's anxious for the draft, the first thing you need to understand is it is a, well, it's a long process. And every single minutia of this draft is going to be dissected down to the letter. I mean, who picks where, the trades that are made, you just have to sit back and let things unfold. I always tell fans, try to avoid the knee-jerk reaction of who was picked, who was passed up, who they, who you think they should have taken until the whole thing's done. The three-day process is over. Seven rounds are in the books. The undrafted rookies are signed. Then let's take a look and see, okay, who did they take, who was still available, and then we'll assess it from there. You just don't know. I, I always tell the Andrew Billings story that behind the steel curtain loved Andrew Billings. He was, Andrew Billings, the Steelers got to get Andrew Billings. And then Andrew Billings just kept falling down the draft board. It happens every year. There's always a player just keeps, and his fall was he was projected to be a top 15 pick. Next thing you know, he goes in like the third or fourth round. And he's still in the league, but he's just bouncing around. Turns out he was injury prone. He had some knee issues. You just don't know all the time. So even though our own Andrew Wilbar, Jeremy Betts, they do a great job with the the draft fix, the Steelers draft fix podcast. I check out this last show by the way. The mock drafts were great. I love listening to that. They should do that every week. But uh, they they love breaking it down. But you just don't know. You don't know. Last question from Kyle Stone. At this point, do you think the Steelers will sign a veteran wide receiver in free agency? If so. Do you think they're waiting until after the draft to sign the opposite of what they draft? I.e., if they draft a speed, deep threat guy, do they try to sign a big body possession style receiver or vice versa? Hashtag Ryder Dykert. Thank you, Kyle. That's a great question. I do think they might still dabble in free agency, and I would not be shocked if they take the approach that you just mentioned. Meaning, if they get a speedster, a deep threat, they need that Juju Smith-Schuster type big body play in the play in the slot your possession guy, your Jericho Cotri type player, wouldn't be shocked at all. That's a great question. And yeah, they I think they're gonna address the uh they're going to address the wide receiver position in a big way. In a big way. All right, that's great. Great job. Even though there were less questions, not a big deal. Went a little bit long in the first half. Thank you all very much for participating. If you want to be a part of the Ride or Die crew and or the mailbag segment, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Follow me on Twitter. It's totally free. And on Tuesday, I always put out the tweet. You have to respond to the tweet, and I will answer it on the Wednesday podcast. I will be back on Friday. We'll have a lot to talk about. Maybe there will be a signing. Maybe there won't. Either way, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. And always, wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. As we always finish it out, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on Friday. Good to you.